You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's Friday, September 30th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynes, the Guardians won for the second straight night in comeback fashion, uh, defeating the Tampa Bay Rays uh, 2-1 to with uh, Stephen Kwan and Oscar Gonzalez coming up with RBI hits in the eighth inning, and Trevor Steffen hanging on for dear life in the ninth to get the save. Uh, the Guardians take two out of three against Tampa Bay in what could be a playoff preview series. Uh, we we might see the Rays back here again uh, in one week. Uh, that has yet to be determined, and we'll talk about playoff matchups later. But uh, you know, just off the off the top, uh, last night's game uh, had had a little bit of everything, and it it got the blood flowing there at the end. Yeah, it was. Uh... You know, the uh, the Guardians were basically, you know, shut down for uh, seven innings by Jeffrey Springs and uh, an, one inning of relief by Sean Armstrong. You know, they're down one nothing, and uh, but they come back and uh, in the eighth inning for with two runs, and the guy that kind of has led them all all year, you know, Stephen Kwan has the big double, you know, to, to drive in the tying run. And then another rookie, uh, Oscar Gonzalez, hits 180 feet, maybe not even 80 feet, off the first baseman's glove, and uh, and scores, uh, you know, scores Quan for the game winner. It's, uh, you know, it's just, it's crazy to watch these guys play. They they are just, it's everything is down to the wire. You know, it seems last at bat, they've won nine out of ten, Joe, and 20 of their last 24 games. Yeah, and everybody sort of had the same reaction when Gonzalez hit that little squibber off the end of his bat and uh Jose Ramirez went first to third after being intentionally walked and and the uh the the go ahead run scored from third base with uh with Quan. Everybody had pretty much the uh the same reaction. This is Guardians baseball. This is this is their brand of baseball. This is what they do. Uh you know, they don't hit the ball out of the park all that often. They they do play for you know, three or four uh, hits an inning and, and trying to, to scratch out runs that way. But like you said, in in uh, close games at the end, comeback wins, one-run games, uh, these guys are learning how to win that way. 
And as as wonderful as that is for for this season, and it's produced a, a division championship and and a, a spot in the playoffs, and you know this this great momentum that they've got going on right now, this can only be good for you know the future for a long time. These young kids on this roster, 24, 25 years old right now, are are learning and experiencing how to win in these situations. And it can only, you know, benefit this club uh, in years to come. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, these guys are are learning on the job and and learning how to win. You know, in a, in in the most pressure filled situations, they are twenty nine and eleven in their last at bat this year, Joe. And uh, you know that those twenty nine wins, that's a an ongoing club record. The old record was held by the 1995 Indians. And you you think of those guys, you know, Tommy and Ramirez and, uh, you know, those guys and Albert Bell hitting walk-off home runs. These guys don't hit walk-off home runs and they're still winning in their last at bat, but they do it like they did last night by, you know, a double, uh, you know, a sacrifice bunt, an infield hit. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> You know, it's the same same song, but kind of with a different singer. Yeah, it's uh, it, the the '95 club would clobber you to death, and and you get the walk off home runs from from Albert Bell, from Manny Ramirez, and 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 all those guys. But uh, these guys, it, like like you've said it a, a a bunch of times before, it's a death by a thousand paper cuts. It's the uh, it's the slashes and the the you know the opposite field double for for Stephen Kwan and. Uh, the the infield hit for uh, Med Rosario uh, a bunch of times this year. It, it's been it's been fun to watch. It's been exciting. But boy, in the in the press box, how many times do we have to to rip up the uh, the leads to, to to stories and and reverse things when it looked like this team was going to lose games? Uh, Cal Quantrill comes out uh, his his streak of what thirty three starts or thirty two there thirty three starts at Progressive Field. Uh, without a loss on the line, and by some miracle, every time uh, this offense gets him off the hook when he he leaves the game uh, trailing, uh, he only gave up one run. And at one point, I think he had retired 16 out of the last 17 batters that he faced. So just uh, really exciting uh, to to see Quantrill dominate that way after he gave up one run, and then he he sort of locked in. He was he was hard on himself after the game. He said, you know, I didn't put the team in position to win, but but he certainly didn't do anything to 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 cause their loss. Yeah, you give up one run in the first inning and then, you know, shut them down for what's through the sixth inning. You're doing your job and uh, they just couldn't score off uh, Springs that uh, the Tampa Bay lefty was really, really tough on them. Uh, he's won, you know, he's been on a roll, too. Uh, so you could see why, you know, he's going to be an important part of uh of uh, you know that the last nine games for the Rays and and probably going into the postseason. Yeah, Tito said that his uh, his fastball had good life. It was getting past the Guardians hitters uh, barrels, and then he had a, an excellent changeup uh, that he was throwing yesterday uh, that was really fooling the, uh, the the Guardians batters. I I guess that's that's one thing that the that Cleveland has always had uh, a lot of trouble with is a lefty. Who has a really good changeup? Uh, the the right-handed hitters in, in Cleveland's lineup uh, have have struggled with that. But uh, you, you know they they sort of lay dormant. They sort of 
uh, you know, pick their spots where where they can can try to get on base there, and uh, it, it winds up being the rookie Will Brennan who comes up uh, and sort of just clears his head, clears his mind, gets the leadoff uh, single uh, to to set things up in the eighth inning, uh, and and then uh, you know it's it's Stephen Kwan coming through after after Miles Straw uh, lays down the sacrifice bunt. Yeah, that's three rookies in that inning get the big hits. And, uh, you know, that's if you, you know, I, I just didn't see that the way that, you know, the way that ninth inning played out, it's it, or the eighth inning played out, you know, when, when you go back to the start of the season, you know, you're, you're not picturing three rookies getting big hits, uh, in a, you know, in a pretty big game, a, a game that could, you know, be a, you know, kind of, you know, a harbinger of, uh, the, the the wild card uh, the three game wild card series and uh, these guys came through and uh, you know it's been rookies and rookies and rookies this season and uh, Joe there's a stat that Stephen Kwan in September has reached base 52 times mm-hmm. that's that's the most by a, a Cleveland rookie since Max Alvis I believe in 1963 I mean this guy. Joe, I mean, we've talked about him as the rookie of the year, but I think this guy might should get some down ballot votes for the MVP. Well, I, I, I don't think they're there. Are they here without him? The the question that I want to pose at, at some point and that will make a, a really good topic here is, is Stephen Kwan the uh, the Guardians MVP? Is is Stephen Kwan the entire difference for this team? Well, we know who Jose Ramirez is, and we know what Jose Ramirez does and what he means for this club and what he contributes. But I, I think you're exactly right. I don't think they're in this position at all if Stephen Kwan doesn't come along, solidify the top of that lineup, and not just you know solidify and give it consistency, but production. He's just produced over and over again, not just in you know leadoff type situations. But in clutch situations, coming back around late in games, how many times have we seen him drop doubles on the line, left field and right field, in in clutch at bats in huge games uh, to to produce wins for this team? Uh, Stephen Kwan has something in 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 that clutch gene. I, I think that you know is so elusive and so um, you know hard to define. Uh, we've seen other guys in the lineup step up, like Andres Jimenez, like Oscar Gonzalez. But I don't think any of those guys get those opportunities if Stephen Kwan isn't doing what he's done all year long. Yeah, that's a great point. And, uh, you know, when he went into the stands in Seattle at T-Mobile Field and kind of, you know, like slid out of the stands and looked like he really seriously hurt himself, I thought that was the season. You know, that's that's how big an impression this guy has made on me. And I think on the whole ball club, I thought that that was kind of if he had been seriously injured, I thought, you know, this season's going the other way because, you know, he he means that much to this team. So uh, just, uh, you know, he's had an incredible rookie year and and, and just uh, really helped them in every phase of the game. Yeah. The, uh, so the, the question is, Stephen Kwan, the Guardians MVP, uh, I think that's a legit question. I don't think it's it's just some sort of like uh you know, fluff thing. I think you can dive down into the numbers and and compare them to you know Jose Ramirez, to compare them to uh, Emmanuel Classe or or Shane Bieber or uh, anybody else on the roster. But 
you know, pound for pound, war, anything like that. I think he compares favorably to anybody on this roster uh, in, a, in an MVP discussion. Now, would he receive votes in the the overall uh, American League MVP race? Uh, it, what do you get? You get ten votes in that ballot, right? Right, Holmes? Yeah. There's there's ten. Uh, throw him a, a down ballot vote, maybe. Sure, yeah, definitely. I I think we know uh, we know who the top of that ballot is. We know who the the one and probably the two are right now. I mean, hell, Sh- Shohei Otani just went out and 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 shoved eight innings of uh, two hit ball with something like fourteen strikeouts the other night. So. Uh, I, I think uh, Otani has pretty much solidified his place uh, behind Judge, but uh, you know, Quan, uh, can you imagine six foot seven uh, Aaron Judge <laughs> and and six five Shohei Otani standing next to what five nine Stephen Quan? <laughs> yeah, you know, make make a make a pretty pretty nice graphic there uh, if you if you put it up on the uh, on the scoreboard. Yeah, it'd be like that picture of uh, Judge and Altuve standing at second base. Yeah. You know, that's, there's that great picture. You know, Altuve comes up to his waist and they're talking to each other. I thought that, you know, that's what it would look like. You know, Joe, I mean, the, the the thing that that jumped out at me is is uh, when uh, we were talking to uh, Brennan uh, after the game, and uh, he said, I think you asked him, does anything, Juan. Do, uh, do, does does anything he do surprises you? And and Brendan said this is the same. He do, he's doing the same things in the big leagues that he was doing in the Arizona Rookie League when we were playing the Cincinnati Reds. You know, at seven thirty at night because during the summer because it was so hot you couldn't play it during the day. It was one hundred and ten degrees in Arizona, so they had to play at night. In you know in in the lowest the low you know kind of level of baseball and Equan was doing that same thing there that he's doing in the big leagues. Yeah, that's uh that was an interesting response from from Will Brennan to you know it, for the guys who have been on this ride with him through the minors and seen him, you know, produce they they kind of know. They they've known all along that that this is what he can do and now to see him doing it at the big league level is is a whole other ball game. Can he do it in the playoffs? Can he do it when uh, a loss means more than just a loss during the regular season. Uh, That remains to be seen, and I can't wait until Friday. I can't wait until he steps into the box uh, on Friday. But, you know, the the great thing about that is the first three games of it, the first two or three games of it, uh, will be at Progressive Field, will be at home where he's comfortable, where he's used to uh, being in left field. And and, uh, I I think that has a – that's a, a big plus for Cleveland is that those those first two or three games will be in their park and and give these rookies and especially Stephen Kwan uh, some degree of comfort starting out. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, you know, the home field advantage they've won that because they won the division. Uh, you know, they earned that, and uh, hopefully they make it work for them. Okay, we'll we'll get into matchups here uh, in a moment. Uh, I just wanted to mention really quickly Trevor Steppen and the ninth inning roller coaster that he went on. Uh, he was one pitch away from uh, blowing a save uh, with his fourth walk of the game. Uh, at, at, at that point, uh, it was it was interesting. He, he came back and, and sort of wiggled out of it when Andres Jimenez made the running catch. 
against Jose Siri. Uh, what did you take away from Stefan's performance in, in a spot where, you know, he's not necessarily used to it. He, he's worked his way into being one of these high leverage guys in the back end of, of Francona's bullpen. Obviously, Emmanuel Classe had been used back-to-back nights, and you're trying to get him as much rest as as possible for uh, the, the the postseason and the playoffs. Uh, Stefan stepped into that role and and just sort of uh, gutted it out. And you know, he didn't have his best stuff, but he managed to get through it. Yeah, you know, and you're gonna have to you're gonna have to have those those kind of performances. You know, Classe as much. As much as we've talked about, uh, you know, he can't, he cannot pitch every night. I mean, they, the, the Guardians may hold a different opinion of that, but from the outside looking in, this guy needs a day off now and then. So, you know, um, Stefan, uh, Stefan is going to have to, uh, you know, step into that role. Uh, Sam Hankis is going to have to step into that role from time to time. You know, there's a bunch of other guys that, you know, we've seen Brian Shaw in that role. So, you know, those guys are going to have to pick up the slack when, when you know, Class A is pitched two or three days in a row and you're, you're trying to save, you know, save his arm for the postseason. You know, and, you know, I mean, Stefan, you know, was, uh, you know, he walked a tightrope, uh, you know, over the shark tank, but he got it done. And you uh, walked the bases loaded with one out and then came back and, and got two straight outs and, uh, you know, at the end of the day, that that's all that counts. You you got to save, you nailed it down, and you move on to the next day. Yeah, third third save of the season, fourth of his career for Stefan, uh, and you know, and he knew he got away with one. I think when we were talking to him after the game, uh, standing in front of his locker, he he said he he lost the zone there for a little bit. Uh, the uh, the splitter, you know, wasn't there, but uh, he he relied on the slider and came back, and and it was effective. He he did a. Did a real nice job, uh, you know, just escaping and, and holding things together. All right, uh, matchups. The the loss for Tampa Bay actually stopped them from uh, having an opportunity to clinch there at uh, Progressive Field. As we as we took the elevator down to uh, the the clubhouse level, uh, we looked to our right as we were getting off, and and they were balling up the the wall of plastic sheeting that had been hung up in Tampa Bay's locker room uh, and they, they had just sort of, sort of pulled it down off the walls uh, to, to protect it from the, the champagne celebration that there was about to happen uh, when Quan hit the, uh, the double and, and, and Gonzalez gave him the lead. Uh, they very quickly, it was all, all reminiscent of the, the 97 world series game seven, where uh, it was, you know, hurry up and, and take down the, the plastic because uh, there's no celebration. Yeah, move the World on. Series trophy out of the Cleveland dug, uh, locker room. <laughs> yeah, as, as as some people here were were witness to uh, to that activity. But, uh, you know, Cal Quantrill put it best, I think. Uh, and he wasn't saying anything to sort of demean Tampa Bay. He, he was very complimentary of the club. But he said, you know, we don't want anybody clinching in our house. We don't want anybody celebrating in our locker rooms. And and they 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 did they they hung on and they came back and won to prevent that from happening. Now what that does do, uh, you know, Tampa Bay and Seattle have magic numbers right now of one, so they are both pretty much in for the the, the postseason. I mean, it's just going to take something, some sort of miraculous happening over the last six games of the season for for both of those clubs not to make it, but. I, 
I would say those are the matchups. Who who do we want to see here? Who do we prefer to see here? And, you know, who's most likely to be here uh, back here on Friday to, to face the Guardians? Well, you know, we yeah, you're right, Joe. Uh, you know, Toronto clinched yesterday. They, they clinched a wild card spot. The order, I guess, is still uh, up for grabs. But, you know, Tampa Bay is, in, to me, probably is the best matchup <clears throat> for Cleveland. And right now, if the postseason started today, they'd be, you know, they they match up with, they play the Rays. And the Rays are in a tough spot. They they missed, like you said, they missed clinching last night. Uh, now they've got to go to Houston. And, and then they've got to go to Boston. So they end the season on the road. And then if they, you know, if they do, you know, if it is Cleveland, then they've got to come to Cleveland. So this is a heck of a long road trip for them. And, uh, you know, that's got to kind of wear them down a little bit. And, uh, you know, the, the Guardians have played them very well. I mean, there's been close games. What, they won the season series 4-2. to two. Uh, But right now, you know, I think that maybe that's the most favorable matchup. Seattle, of course, you know, kind of, what, went 6-1 six and uh, six and one against Cleveland during mm-hmm. the regular season. Kind of beat them up a little bit. And uh, I don't think it can beat Toronto at this point. But, no. you know, the Guardians went 5-2 and two against Toronto. Yeah, I, I, I like matchups wise. I would I would have liked what what Toronto presented. Uh, I, I still think that the, the Guardians can handle Tampa's lineup a, a little bit better than let's say Seattle's lineup. Uh, I, I think Seattle's lineup has a little bit more pop to it, uh, especially when Julio Rodriguez is healthy. So uh, I, I think the matchup is is pretty good. It, it would it calls for another. You know, a couple more four-hour games between uh, Cleveland and Seattle if they they come down to it with the the, the way those bullpens pitch and the way they're used. So, uh, you know, look for that. Look for uh, and I, I guess the the matchup that we've we've sort of been watching too is is Kevin Cash versus Terry Francona. You know, Tito said it would be hard, it would be difficult taking on Cash in the playoffs because. This is a guy that he loves. It's one of his best friends, and and you you, you never want to you know send a guy home for the season uh, if if he's somebody who who you're you're fond of. Yeah, and uh, you know I know friendship. What hopefully friendship ends at the between the white lines after you step over the white lines. You want to win, you know, and uh, I think uh, you know those guys are good enough friends where. You know, they know the business they chose. And, uh, you know, it's, there's always a winner and a loser in this game. So, you know, one guy wins, one guy loses, and you still stay friends. Uh, and I think, you know, like you were saying, Joe, I, I like I like the, the Rays matchup, I guess. You know, I, I think Seattle, you know, with Luis, Luis Castillo and uh, Robbie Ray, you know, we saw a bunch of those guys in, in those, uh, you know, those six games against uh cleveland and they they both pitch very well so would they you know could could cleveland's bats handle those guys in the postseason i i don't know yeah and uh, on the other side at tampa side uh you've got shane uh, i'm sorry uh cory kluber and shane mcclanahan uh you know who would you who would cash want to throw in a in a three-game series uh against Cleveland coming out. You've even got Tyler Glass now at some point that you might see, you know, maybe coming out of the bullpen. 
Yeah, and you know, Springs, well, the guy we saw last night was really, really good. So I'd start him game one. Yeah, I mean, he if you if you could line him up, that would be the guy. And then you know, the Kluber is you know he's had a good season, but you know they've seen him twice. You know, Glassnow, we saw him. Uh, you know, coming back from Tommy John, his first time. So what? His first time out, he pitched what Tuesday, I think, mm-hmm. or and uh, that was his first start since. Uh, 2021 so you know you just don't know how much length you're going to get out of him so their their rotation is a little jumbled but boy when they get into that bullpen that's that is a tough tough ball club all right hoinsey we're going to wrap up today's uh edition and we will probably know more about who the opponent will be and and what the rotation will look like and 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 what uh cleveland's chances are uh by monday so we'll uh we'll talk to you again then and and set things up for the week here on the Cleveland Baseball Talk Podcast.